the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. I am Seth Leibson, Friday, July 8th, 2022. As we head into our second hour this Friday, we do so as we do every Friday with George Kaloff. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group and the president of Data Orbital. He is the best political consultant in the country, as far as I uh, I know, and uh, we're delighted to have him here in Arizona. George, welcome back. Happy Friday. Busy time, huh? Happy Friday to you. <laughs> yes, thanks for having me. You betcha, you betcha. You and I, over the past couple few weeks, have talked about the importance of cultural issues in uh, in these elections. And a thought kind of occurred to me in a discussion I was having with a guest yesterday. You're perhaps familiar with this ad Gavin Newsom of California ran in Florida where he was preaching to Floridians, right, where he says that freedom (laughs) is under attack in Florida, Republican leaders are banning books, restricting speech, that sort of thing. It dawned on me, George, that if the race, if the race for presidency in 2024 is Gavin Newsom versus Ron DeSantis, and I know it's an if, but if it is that race, it's a good bet, um, This could be the presidential race we have always wanted in the sense that Gavin Newsom will not be able to and will not want to run on the economic record of California. It's just it's impossible to do that. You can't do it. His only angle, his only lane is cultural issues. And we will have two views of the culture war in sharp relief in a presidential campaign as between someone like DeSantis and someone like Newsom, and I would look very much forward to it, but I wonder what your thoughts are. Well, I was going to make a joke when you said that the race was between Gavin Newsom and, <laughs> and Ron DeSantis. Go ahead. Say, oh, so we can expect a governor DeSantis, <laughs> uh, right? Because if, if, that's the, if that's the dichotomy, right. I, I think it's, it's – at first I was like, wow, Gavin Newsom's an idiot for doing this. Yeah. And it dawned on me. I'm like, oh, my God, he's not doing this because he thinks it's convincing people. He's doing this because he wants a national profile and he wants to get progressives fired right. up to go down this horrific path they're going down. But right. that's what's going to get him potentially, if he runs for president, depending on what happens with Joe Biden or whatever, that's what could get him past the primary. And then they obviously think that that's what could get them passed in the general election. Um, but look, it would be <clears throat> probably one of the better things that has, has happened to our movement if those two polar opposite extremes are the highlights of a presidential campaign because it is clear, Seth, we know data shows it, anecdotal information shows it, the makeup of our entire country shows it. We would prevail in that battle and we would prevail uh, bigly, to to use that phrase. We We would prevail huge and it would be a big deal to a movement that is already going in our direction when it comes to cultural issues. Uh, except if you, of course, listen to the media and you live in places like California and New York City, uh, but that it would get to the rest of the country and would put it into a forefront. I mean, I think it's a big, big deal if that would be the dichotomy and if Gavin or whoever Democrat, right, insert name, Joe Biden, doesn't matter, 
if they make that the presidential election of 2024. You know, George, you raised something that I didn't quite think about in your response, which is, you know, Gavin Newsom ran this ad about banning books and restricting speech in the classroom. And he uses the phrase criminalizing women and doctors. I don't I don't know of any law that criminalizes women. Do you, by the way? I, I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but in any event, unless I, you know, OK, unless they engage in a crime. Um, but yeah. you, you, you take the point. But what's interesting and in what you raised here is, you know, I don't know that a lot of people move across country or from one state to another for cultural reasons. I know a lot of people talk about it and they scream about it and you hear about moving to Canada, moving to, you know, moving to another country. They never really do it for those reasons. They do move quite often for economic reasons, for reasons of economy or job even. And that was not the ad that Gavin Newsom sent to Florida I think that's telling you, you kind of it's interesting how you put that. You know, he went right to these. He wants the cultural debate. He can't win an economic debate. And it's, of course, not going to be meaningful to anyone in, in Florida, really, as far as moving. Yeah. But he is raising a flag that he wants to be the cultural left's candidate. Right. Of course. Look, he, he lost hundreds of thousands of Californians to Florida when California shut schools and masked kids and did all that stuff. So there is one. I would say non-economic reasons that I know, even in my amazingly in my in my little circle, I knew a significant amount of people that moved states, not necessarily California to Florida, but just in general, shifting from blue urban America to not blue urban America because of their kids and schooling, right? Which mm-hmm. of course that wasn't in the ad. The banning books was, but what what they're trying to do continuously, and we know this, they always try to paint the Republicans as the extremists. We obviously know Ron DeSantis is now you know, uh, one of the poster children for that, quote unquote, extremism that we engage in, you know, the common sense craziness of, you know, parents wanting to dictate what their kids do or don't learn and, and all that fun stuff. You, you know, Seth, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the extremeness of the of the right. Uh, so Gavin wanted to increase his star power and his stardom. You've also seen him be exponentially and very explicitly out front in a way that others, even like uh, Governor Murphy of New Jersey, who uh, right after the uh, the Supreme Court decision, uh, you know, was issued. They also said, oh, they want to do stuff in New Jersey, but not in the same way that Gavin Newsom did. Uh, right. And so I think he's trying to position himself as the leader of the progressive left or the ultra progressive left, how whatever label that you want to give it. And what better way kind of like right running an ad in Times Square? You don't do that because you're going to sell product. You do that for notoriety and for and for show and for talk mm-hmm. and for buzz. Mm-hmm. That's why Gavin Newsom did this on the 4th of July. Right. Um, you know, he would have been better off to be dropping leaflets with the Pima County Democrats. Uh, uh, what's that called? The false fly that they did that said yeah, that, you know, yeah. F the fourth. Right. Yeah. So maybe he would have done that. But it was similar, similar thing. Right. Because they wanted to highlight on the Fourth of July on a patriotic holiday. They wanted to, quote, highlight the craziness of the America as it is under Republicans, except jokes on them, because most Floridians probably love living in Florida, which is why they've self-opted yeah. to continue to <laughs> move to Florida, by the way. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Those, those yeah. U-Haul studies wouldn't wouldn't show much business <laughs> leaving yeah. Florida so much as they would be leaving California. And it does ask the question, I, I want to localize the, the discussion in our next segment to some of the stuff that's arriving in people's ballot boxes, just as a, just as a bookmark, George, but just to, to finish this thought out on on the cultural uh, war in Gavin Newsom, uh, crime, crime. I don't know whether it's considered a social issue or a, cult, uh, a social cultural issue, an economic issue, uh, what, how it's categorized. And it seems to get pushed into the cultural angle. 
And I wonder how much of a motivator that will be uh, for conservatives nationally. It seems to be one, obviously, in municipal races, right? People like Rudy Giuliani could win the mayorality, the mayorality race on it. But is that some is crime something that can be nationally recognized as an issue? Nixon did it, uh, and I don't remember any national politician doing it since then. But I wonder if it's bad enough if it becomes a national issue. I, I think you hit the nail on the head at the very end. If I think if it gets bad enough, if I'm a Republican and I know that my swing voters are in suburban America, which they are, they're in suburban Maricopa, they're in suburban, you know, name Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, name the county. It, you know, wherever it is, uh, Pinellas County in Florida, those voters, particularly women in those counties, they want their kids to be protected and safe. They want their families to be protected and safe. That could then make it a national issue. Right now, it's sort of, and I, and I, when I'm advising clients, we talk about border security. I said, look, sometimes border security, you need to lump it in with safe communities because the lack of border security, and we've talked about this uh, prior, you and I, the lack of border security is what floods our communities with fentanyl, is what causes you know, criminals to come over, is what, and so on and so forth, right, onto the list. And that, I think, could make it a national issue. And I think one that someone like DeSantis, Trump, whoever it is on the right, would then utilize because the left's not going to be good. Now, this is an interesting thing. They seem to, this is the one area where maybe they have eased the gas a little bit on going all in on the defund the police yeah. pockets of them have, but you conspicuously, you're not hearing as much about that as you are about trans rights and these rights and those rights, right? It seems like some of the cultural stuff has, they've continued to triple down abortion guns, you name it. I don't know. It, it feels maybe I'm just distracted from uh, with other stuff and I myself aren't paying as much attention, uh, but it doesn't seem like they're doing as much talking about that because it seems clear that they have lost a significant amount of prosecutorial races, by the way, across the country, yep. uh, and municipal races and, frankly, ballot measures in places like Austin that have now once again tried to camp, you know, tramp down on the clamp down on the homelessness issue, which mm-hmm. we know also leads to more crime in these cities. Yeah, it's going to be a big deal for Arizona voters, too, particularly our uh, county attorney and AG races, where it's weird. You know, um, there's a fair amount of Republicans running in those races, but it's weird the Democrats they're putting up for those offices are about the worst of the worst right out of the Gascon playbook. <laughs> and it, 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 I think yeah. I'm right. You're laughing yeah. on the truth yeah. here, right? <laughs> I think 100%. so. Let me, uh, let me take a quick yeah. commercial break. Let's talk about some of the stuff that's on the ballot, uh, the ballot measures that voters are looking at uh, for, for, uh, for this uh, for what's arriving in their mailboxes. Is that cool with you when we come back, George? Absolutely. George Kaloff is our guest. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group and the president of Data Orbital, and he and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have George Kaloff with us. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group and the president of Data Orbital. Uh, George, I wanted to have you fill us in on a couple ballot measures that are landing uh, in people's uh, mailboxes as well or that they will be voting on and uh, get your sense of them uh, either for uh, I guess I guess they'll be they'll be they'll be coming really more for for the November election. But talk to us about what we're looking at here. Sure, sure. First, I want to say you always have really fun uh, intro and outro music, and so it gets you in the mood for an interview. So I just want the to give best you in the that. business, I've been music. told. Now, now, others will say I compete with Mike Gallagher's guy on this. You know, I we, we sometimes trade songs, but thank you, George. People come for yeah, the talk; they stay for the music. You know. 
<laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Include me. Include yeah, me. yeah, so, yeah. I, I come of- right there. Yeah, you can see George Kaloff and I in Washington D.C. on our vacation, yeah. uh, getting getting jiggy <laughs> over at Chief Ike's Mamba Room. Right? Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Not exactly. Um, so, uh, so on the ballot measures. Yeah. So three measures actually formally submitted signatures because they were uh, petition-led measures. One that was about uh, predatory. They call it about predatory lending, but essentially it's about what to do with, with debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's about dark money or what, you know, uh, opponents would say, you know, kind of free speech in the way that, uh, you know, donor privacy dollars. And one uh, essentially federalizes, uh, it, ten- it takes the attempt to federalize elections from HR1, same day registrations and a lot of really horrific education or sorry, election reforms, mm-hmm. and then puts them in, in Arizona. So those two were actually submitted for ballot yesterday they're going through the process we'll unpack those there also i think were eight or 11 i can't remember the number if it's a total of 11 or there was a total of eight that went through the legislature and that are referrals so we're going to have a significant potentially a significant amount of ballot measures by the way for november that we'll need to unpack even further as we go down but i wanted to focus specifically on the election one this is one that really frightens me this is one that frankly makes a lot of these cultural issues that we talk about would make it a moot point Mm -hmm. if uh, someone could move from California on Friday, come to Arizona and register on Tuesday to vote in our elections. Mm. That's what it would allow. Say it that again for the audience. I want them to get the full impact of this. Say do it again. Say that again. It would allow. Right. Yeah, right. You could come on Friday from California. Come hang out somewhere. Stay at a place, a hotel, rent a Airbnb, doesn't matter. Then you show up same day registration on Tuesday. Yeah. It would be horrific to allow people to register same day. Yeah. It would absolutely gut our ballot harvesting laws yep. uh, that went all the way up to the Supreme Court, uh, and we wanted to allow us to limit that. It would gut our ability to do any type of check or voter ID, right? We have to check our ID to buy alcohol, to go into places, to do almost everything. But it would gut any any laws that we would have on the books for it. Uh, it apparently has a tax increase in it. It's one of the most convoluted and long ballot measures that has been put together on a whole host of topics. But this is one that uh, there's only a handful of things that usually unite a significant amount of people. Um, this united the progressive left and those groups that want to see California-style policies come here because they're always the ones that push California-style policies onto Arizona. But it's also united anyone, even remotely right of center, and frankly, a lot of people around the center, uh, because it would change the makeup for good. And I and I don't usually say hyperbolic things like this. Yeah, right. I sincerely mean it. It would change yeah. the makeup of Arizona for good and would change my assessment that I've even given on the show, which is to say Arizona is not really purpling and yada, 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 because it would it would make it an uneven playing field. It right. Would, There's it, just no way that it could be competing with droves of people coming in from California and changing our elections. And then add on the fact that we have a referendum and initiative as we do and we would lose the state as we know it. Guarantee within five maximum 10 years. Now, like this now, the Free Enterprise Club is sponsoring a, a separate uh, voter ID ballot initiative. Uh, I think it's I think it's going to be Prop 309 I think, or Ballot Initiative 309. I think it is. I'm not sure. Um, and, 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 and that would be a great protector for us, wouldn't it? An initiative. Oh, yes. 100%. Vote. Yeah. 100%. Right? Basic. Again, when I'm going to say this to the audience, the listeners are going to be like, well, of course, this makes sense. Yeah. All that it would require is that you have to show a voter ID to vote on your early ballot in the same way that you would on election day, right? You show up to a voting booth, and if I say my name is George Califf and I want to vote, I have to show an ID to verify that I'm George Califf, right? Again, yep. it's common practice in almost anything that we do. Yep. Well, when you vote early, you don't have to do that. There's no way. We have this convoluted signature verification process, and we all know how that's 
gone on and not to get into all the election integrity stuff, but we know that there's a lot of error there and a mm-hmm. lot of issues there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's common sense to say we have to show a voter ID, whether that's via driver's license number, last four social, there has to be a way to verify your identity because, again, in this common practice, that would at a minimum protect, and that is a positive one uh, that I know is being pushed and was referred uh, to the ballot and will be on the ballot. Now, this this bad one, it's not obviously guaranteed to be on the ballot. Right now, this is where they start the process. They have to go through the signatures. For folks who don't know, uh, for a measure like that, 235,000, yep. 235,000 valid signatures have to be collected. They submitted around 400,000 signatures. Yeah. Um, there have been ballot measures that have submitted a lot more than that that haven't made it for a yep. whole host of things. Yep. This is where all the lawyers yeah. <laughs> get to make their yeah, money yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and take the time. Uh, so it's not a guarantee that it'll be on. Really, it's not a guarantee that any three of them, uh, any three of those ballot measures will be on. But again, I cannot underscore enough, and I know we'll be talking about this a lot more, if by chance it gets on to the ballot, uh, how uh, how horrible this would be for Arizona. And I'll tell you, none of these things are popular. I mean, we have right. pulled various aspects of this measure and the measure itself and I'll just say it this way, unpopular is an understatement. There's really only a sliver of the population that support it, and it's the people that you'd expect to support it. It's the, it's the self-described, strong, progressive ideologues that are consistent Democratic voters, and that's not even a third of the state, right? The remainder of the state don't want same-day registration because it doesn't click for them why that would be a thing that's needed, Right. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah, it's a big deal. Well, you know, I threaten or promise I don't know what I do. I talk about this every couple of years or I have been since at least 2016 when I when I woke up to the problem when I was working on the anti uh, drug legalization initiative. You know, Arizona's a weird sitting duck on ballot measures, George. The audience, I, I, I want to inform the audience on this with you just for a half a moment. I think we're the only state in the country that has a system where someone think of uh, who's the California environmental lefty guy. I I think he even ran for president at one point. Tom Steyer. Thank you, Bill. Tom Steyer can can bring can send millions of dollars or Soros can send millions of dollars into Arizona, a state they don't live in to 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 sponsor a ballot initiative. Uh, It then requires, obviously, the business or other community to respond in kind or have to raise that kind of money to compete with it when we are outraised by these unlimited donations by out-of-state Steyer types. It gets passed, and we can do virtually nothing about it unless we come up with the money to fund another ballot initiative to counter it in future years. For the state legislature or governor to alter these things is a near impossibility. And I don't think people understand that when they vote for some of these risky ballot propositions. Exactly. Exactly. That's actually it's funny that you bring that up. One of the referrals from the legislature is to up the threshold for tax increases to about 60 or 66 percent. I think it's 60 percent because there's no going back. I mean, it's it's not an easy ordeal. And I don't think people understand and again, I think the framers of our Arizona Constitution may have had an intent, but we have one of the loosest, as you said, referendum initiative laws in the country. And why do you think everything always happens here than it happens other places, right? The only place that, frankly, has worse stuff is California. And again, we, we've used them a lot in the as, as, as problem children. Right? Get sore throat right? saying, like, don't California my Arizona. Right. Exactly, exactly. That and the only people that have even more expensive gas than us is California. I mean, we're really not in a good position no. when it comes to that with some of the stuff recently, right? And you don't ever want to be compared to California no. when it comes to how you do your elections, how you do your politics, and how you price your gas. Thank you, Thank you, George. Thank you, bless you, sir. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. I've used Cool Touch for years. If you have an air conditioner it's on the air conditioning unit that's on the fritz, or if you need an inspection, a repair, replacement, you name it, or plumbing problem, we don't need to deal with heating right now. Gosh, knows. But Cool Touch is there. 17 years in business. A-plus rating with the BBB. Never received a complaint with the ROC. I know Chris Funk and the, his team. It's a great team, and all my friends who have used them will tell you the same exact thing. Check them out at cooltouchac.com or give them a call at 623-734-1932. That's 623-734-1932. Hello, Rob. How are you, sir? Happy Friday. Hi, Seth. Happy happy Friday. I am well. Thank you, sir. Um, I, I just, uh, a, a couple of quick things. I uh, heard a couple days ago that uh, somebody said that Gorka had better bumper music than you did. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> you know, there's fake news all over the place. You know, just all over the place. Someone did say yeah. that. I heard it. And, uh, yeah. you know, you just learn to grow uh, to, to, to grow a thick skin in this business. But uh, when I see Seb, we're going we're gonna to talk it out a little bit. Oh, okay. No, that's good. I mean, I... I it, it's a big bone of contention for me. Uh, I don't know if he knows it, but it is for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm fighting no, with him, no, and he may not know it. <laughs> okay. No, that, that's fine. I mean, I the only thing I noticed that he, he'll play one or two Led Zeppelin songs. Um, I know that I'm pretty sure you may not, but um, I could always suggest Misty Mountain Hop by Led Zeppelin, one of my favorites, or the entire first album, which I think was one of the great groundbreaking albums uh, by a, a new group. Um, just Here, hey, Here's how I know whether you're on to something or not when you talk music, Rob. I looked, I looked, I, I looked through two, two layers of bulletproof glass to, over to my producer, <laughs> whose nickname is uh, 16, uh, his 16. nickname is 16 because that's how long he's worked here. And, oh. uh, yeah. And, um, and if he nods when someone has a music suggestion, we know we're on to something. I didn't see a nod on your suggestions. I didn't see a nod. Um, so we may need Bill, one other one for Led, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Okay. Um, just saying. We'll find some. We'll find some. We'll but find. again, that's the only thing that, uh, I, I hear one. Led Zeppelin, it's the same one every day on Sebastian Gorka. So, I mean, there's a lot of repetition there. Also, I want to thank you for your discussion um, on the candidates earlier today. I think it was very, very helpful, um, at least to me. Um, and I know there'll be more to come. Um, there's, there's obviously going to be uh, folks in certain state uh, legislature positions that yep. may or may not be in my district. Sure. And, of course, you know, and we discussed. Yeah, my LD endorsement I, may not. I, it's probably not in your district, so that may not help. No, yeah, no, yeah. And, and that's fine. I also needed to clarify that um, a couple days ago, um, you had a librarian on, and that she had confirmed that the head of the National Library Association is a Marxist. I think it that? was. I think it was my interview with Bethany Mandel that you're thinking about. She's the publisher of the Heroes of Liberty book series, the children's book series. That's, that's what I'm. Yeah. Th that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, so her interview, yeah, her interview is online at 960thepatriot.com. Let's go double check that, okay. and we'll we'll hunt that down. It is kind yeah, of interesting I mean, how far these organizations have moved. I was 
I was being interviewed on Bill Bennett's podcast this morning, and we were talking about that stuff we were talking about yesterday that the NEA is now uh, involved in, the National Education Association, and how they are, you know, upfront in admitting to the fact that they are they are a social justice organization that supports um, trans FOLX. And uh, did you know, by the way, I didn't, when they use the word FOLX, that there's a uh, perhaps double entendre there. FOLX is also the name of a hormone therapy drug that is mailed oh, to people confidentially uh, who are in the process of transitioning. I mean, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The level to which the yeah. NEA has gone off the edge here is incredible. Why I bring that up in this context, Rob, I'll give you all the time you need, but why I bring that up in this context is he was talking, Bill was telling me, if you go back and read the NEA handbooks from the 1940s and 1950s, it would sound like the 1776 Project. It would sound like the best American history textbook you ever read. I was with some friends last night who were re- reading Wilford McClay's uh, book, Land of Hope. That's a great start, by the way. That's a great American history book. And he said, that's what the NEA used to be, which brings about the John Sullivan rule, right? But Rob, you can, you can, if you want to stay on and make your political point on the other side, that's fine. But uh, I'll let you do that. But um, just, just the point, the John Sullivan rule, uh, any institution that is not avowedly conservative will become left wing. Something we need to think about that. It's something we need to think about. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Rob, uh, you had another point I think you wanted to make vis-a-vis abortion, if I'm not mistaken. Um, y- yes, I did, but uh, but uh, Chicago works for me too. Yeah, and, yeah. And I believe in you, and yeah. I know you believe in me. Oh yeah, that's the song. Anyway, we can um, add that. Okay, that's that's a fine choice. Yeah, uh, and almost any Chicago song works for me. Um, we're just you know providing information to improve your bumper music quality. Thank you. To attract more listeners. Yeah, you're you're the uh, eternal optimist. You think you can brighten the sun, but that's okay. We'll, we'll you know. Well, I, I do I do what I can. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah, I, there was something in the NAA uh, uh, charter they were talking about reproductive freedom. I can read it to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This was this was on the NEA order of National Education Association, uh, largest teachers union order of business in Chicago. Uh, just uh, this week. I'll quote directly. NEA will publicly stand in defense of abortion and reproductive rights and encourage members to participate in rallies and demonstrations, lobbying and political campaigns, educational events, and other actions to support the right to abortion. NEA is a social justice union that is a majority female and trans and gender nonconforming folks. F-O-L-X, who will fight against these attacks on our members and the reproductive rights of all people who are able to. I, if, if, if you think I was you know, slurring the sentences, I wasn't. They, they, those non-conjugated verbs and unmatching nouns, that's their work, not mine. I'm just no, quoting no, them directly. That's, no, that's, that's fine. And, but what I, what I really find a hard time, and again, this goes back to the hypocrisy of it all, um, when you are a pro-abortion person, Roughly half of the, the human beings that are aborted are female. Yes, which again takes away their reproductive freedom and reproductive rights. And according and to the know. NEA, a hundred percent, actually, of the people who are able to 
<laughs> right? They're not even yeah. willing to say. That's how that sentence works out. They're talking about nonconforming yeah. fo- folks who will fight against these attacks on our members and the reproductive rights of all people who are able to. Able to what? Able to reproduce. They can't say women. They can't you know. say women. And the, and so, yeah. so, so maybe even 100% to the NEA. Yeah, we just need to laugh at them and then pity them. Um, I just I just find it ironic that they want reproductive rights, but only for living adult females and not the unborn innocent females that are, you know, in the process of uh, gestating and being born. I just find that uh, very ironic. And I'm again, with you, you know, on all that. I just don't know what business yeah. it is of the teachers' unions to take a stand that they will that they they will take a stand on a political issue that is taking up their time and energy, and that they are going to go forward to into our nation's classrooms. I mean, is that yeah. really when when we hear Red for Ed or any of the other teacher union spokes S P O X I guess uh, that yeah. that that they're not getting paid enough that that we are giving them money for? Let's do it. Rallies, demonstrations, well, lobbying, political campaigns, of educational events, and other actions to support the right to an abortion. No official higher petty shall declare what should be orthodox in this country, said uh, said Justice Jackson. And here you have the teachers union telling us that there is an orthodoxy of opinion when it comes to this issue that's about 4951. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, we have you know the Hippocratic Oath, which says first do no harm which I can't think of greater harm than killing an unborn human being. Uh, but that's just me. I'm funny that way. But it, but the whole idea of, yeah, you're right, NEA getting involved in a lot of this uh, LGBTQ stuff and, and reproductive rights, that has nothing to do with educating children. Yeah, there's not. Um, yeah, and, yeah. As Bills was and, saying to me when I was interviewing with him earlier today, anything about math, English, anything about American history – no, no, mm-hmm. no. We're about nonconforming FOLX because we're a social justice union. They tell us that. They're no That's longer, right. I guess, a teacher's union. They're a social justice union. Of course, to them, teaching is social justice. Yeah, which which I don't understand. You know, when I hear the term social justice, I immediately think leftist, and they don't even understand what that means, but it sounds good. It feels good. It makes them feel better about themselves. And I guess that's one of the reasons that um, I look I look at this whole reproductive freedom and rights thing. And anybody that's had an abortion uh, has, you know, in the short term felt, I guess, some sense of relief. But in the long term, they've they've suffered greatly. They've they've uh, felt guilty. They've they felt like they actually took a life, which actually a lot do. I mean, the whole the whole the really almost when I was in D.C. and I, I don't know if it's still true. I'll ask Penny Nance uh, from Concerned Women for America. She's a regular here and I haven't asked her this. Maybe I should look it up because it might be indelicate. But when I was in D.C., almost all the pro-life organizations uh, headed by women were headed by women who had had one and regretted it. Yeah, almost exactly. all of them, and, I, and, almost all of them, including at Concerned Women for America. I don't know if Penny is in that group or not. My something tells me she may be an exception. I'll check it out. But yeah. it was certainly true and is still certainly true in a lot of the organizations. 
Absolutely. And you can also play more Beach Boys. That's fine with me, too. Okay? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm happy to play those Beach You know what? There is a common theme I love about your uh, music suggestions. All of them have great trumpets in them. You know, the Beach Boys had um, they had uh, the Wrecking Crew, which would have been Bud Brisbaugh, who is uh, the screamingest trumpet of all time ever, I think. Uh, at least the highest note playing one that I know of him and Cat Anderson. Uh, of course, Chicago had uh, had uh, Lou Hain and uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears had who? Lou Soloff. So I, I love I love that you're on that page with me. Thank you so much, Rob. Ken is in Tullison. Hi, Ken. How are you, sir? Thanks for your patience. Hi, Jeff. How are you, man? Speaking with you again. Oh, I'm great. How about you? I'm good. It's a rough connection. I don't know if there's a speaker you can lift up or something like that. How about now? It's it's better. It's better. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I, I'll repeat. Uh, if I can hear it, I'll repeat it for the audience. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, uh, uh, what it is is I'm uh, trying to investigate the people that I vote for. I, I'm uh, 60 now, and uh, I voted for Reagan. He was my first, my first real vote. So that, you know, I felt like I did really good there. Yes, yes. I would say <laughs> that's a great thing to be proud of. You bet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, um but then now I'm, I'm torn, I'm trying to, because, uh, there's, I've never even realized how much power a governor actually had until D.C., or, it, it, actually, he wasn't even as bad as some of the others, like, there's nothing, but anyway, uh, but he did still shut us down, and then he, he held us, he held certain companies down, um, I don't know, just, uh, like, mountain, you know. Certain things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're yeah. thinking of Mountainside Fitness or one of those? Yeah, okay. Exactly. I didn't want to say the whole name. I didn't know if it was a doctor or not. It's Mountainside okay. Fitness was, was, was forced to, to stay closed, and others that were bigger were still open, and I didn't understand that. Yeah. And uh, and then he said, I, I voted for this guy. Sure, I, sure, I, sure, sure. Voted, sure. I, I'm, I, kind of I think, I think we all did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not too happy there. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, you make an interesting point, though, Ken. Sorry about that connection. You make an interesting point um, about how it wasn't – it was awful here, but not, you know, compared to other places, Wisconsin, Chicago. I can tell you well, – i, I got to hit the break. Let me pick up on that when we come back. We'll be right back. Portions of the show brought to you by Y Refi. If you're looking for a remarkable, unique investment opportunity, check out my friends at Y Refi. They're offering a fixed, no load interest rate up to ten and a quarter percent for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. They help people uh, pay down and off their debts uh, the right way by actually doing it and doing it with dignity. They, uh, the investors at Y-Refi do really well by doing good, and you can too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. It's a due diligence approved firm. Invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087, local company. You can even visit them and uh, – they're happy to meet with you. They won't give you a sales pitch. They'll just uh, tell you what they do and let it speak for itself. Yeah, on uh, uh, previous caller, uh, was it? I'm sorry, was it Ken? I I, I think he dropped off. But um, previous caller talking about how we did shutdowns versus other states. Um, as bad as it was here, you're absolutely right in comparing it to some of the other states. I had uh, throughout uh, throughout COVID. Uh, 
a lot of friends and visitors from other states come here. And if we would go to uh, the grocery store or whatever, they were shocked, shocked uh, at how um, – what's the word I want? How non-conforming we were to the shutdown ethos here. They were shocked at how – and to use their words, how casual we were about it. Now, those of us living here didn't feel that way. But uh, for those that were coming in from places like, yeah, Michigan, California, Pennsylvania, uh, New York, God knows, uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, the thing that I hope so badly we learned from that experience, I hope so badly we learned from it, is never again. You know, I remember I remember after uh, Katrina um, in New Orleans that everyone was talking about how to build it back and – I remember some someone at the time said, well, here's the first rule. Nothing like before. Nothing like before. New Orleans had become a sitting duck by its engineering and structure and the way they had built that city. Uh, I can't attest to whether that advice was taken, but I sure hope nothing like like we did. If anything like this comes again, I, I hope we learned the lessons. Oh, uh, a handful of us were condemning it from the get-go. Uh, we, we we made a practice. That's how we got Hugh Hallman here every Tuesday. Hugh and Lewis Hallman came in every Tuesday starting, I think, in March of 2020, going through the data, analytically looking, comparing states with harsher versus less harsh. And it turns out the states that were less harsh did just as fine. Did just, it was all an unnecessary, tyrannous power grab based on paranoia that we used the children to satisfy and soothe the feelings of adults a codependency, and a torture of children, we will be spending decades, decades, trying to figure out, pay off, and address. I'm Seth Liebson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.